Hi, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. Today I'm doing an interview that's coming on the heels of the Heart of the Agile Conference, which just happened uh, this past week in Pittsburgh. And Savannah Riat gave a talk about how to use the practices of Agile in your personal life. And it was a really compelling presentation about how to understand what's most important to you. So Savannah, thank you for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon and sorry for interrupting it. No, thank you for having me. I, I am so happy to be here and to speak about personal agility and how it has impacted my life. Cool. Well, so before we get into that, can you talk a little bit about your background, just for folks that aren't familiar with you, so they can kind of get a sense of where you're coming from? Because it's not a yeah. traditional like software development background. Correct. It's not. Um, I started, uh, well, in school, when I was in school, my parents always wanted me to be a doctor. So that didn't work out. So <laughs> I started off my life as being the family failure at all of the family get togethers. And I was the black sheep that wasn't the doctor. So there was that. Then uh, I went into real estate and IT all at the same time. It's something that I truly love. And when I give attention to one side, I feel like I'm cheating on the other. So I'm basically a real estate uh, entrepreneur and a investor. And I am also agile coach. I've been coaching and training for about seven years. I started off before that as a business analyst for the first few years. But yeah, it's been 10 years in the IT field and even longer in the real estate. But that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. So you're doing development work. You're also managing real estate. And you talked during the presentation about day trading as well, right? Yes, that is something that's my passion, which I had to take it out for my whip limit that kind of didn't make the cut, which is very heartbreaking because I feel myself thinking about it. And I tell myself, no, 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 Savannah, you're not allowed to think about this. It's not part of your whip limit. <laughs> so. <laughs> so this is so this is a big deal. And I want to kind of use this as a segue into the topic. But limiting, especially if you have lots of interests, like a lot of us are blessed with being passionate about so many things that the hardest thing is to figure out what you're not going to do. Um, but can you can you first start out by explaining how you would define personal agility? Yes, for sure. So for me, I was always very, very goal oriented. And I always knew what I wanted to go after. And I was like, this is what I wanted to do. And like you said, being passionate, it actually sometimes can work against you. Because I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I was like, okay, I need to assist in better way of doing this. So I started doing personal Kanban, which worked great for a little while. And then I was like, wait, I'm missing deadlines. Because everything I didn't have, like I need to do it within this time. So then I started doing Scrum. I would have my weekly scrum every week and I would have a retro with myself on every Saturday and I would plan my sessions on every Sunday night and figure out what I'm doing for the next week. But I didn't have a limit and I was doing so much and I was started to feel very, very frustrated. Like I was doing real estate and I was doing real estate investing and I had agents that depended on me. And then I had day trading. On top of that, I had my regular consulting job, nine to five. And I was speaking at conferences and I was trying to do training and I coach and train real estate as well on top of training for IT. So literally I, I did not have enough hours in the day. And the the straw that broke the camel's back is when I was thinking I, I went to a store and I bought candles and it sat there for two whole weeks and I didn't get a chance to light it. I was like, this can't be life. If I can't take five seconds, for myself, then this cannot how life be. And so to me, personal agility was basically taking even somebody that is goal oriented and passionate and focused and refining that focus. 
So that's what personal agility does for you. It just refines what focus you already have. And if you're not focused, it will really help you focus on doing what truly matters to you. So in a sense, it's it's about being a better product owner for yourself, if you're taking kind of the scrum framework and applying it to this. Exactly, exactly. It just helps you be a better, more focused product owner and just managing your work properly. Okay. So I want to go back to something you said about a personal comment for a second, because I, I use that and I still use it, but not as disciplined as I did for a while. And one of the things that, that I, I want to ask about is, you had this issue with deadlines. So when you were prioritizing work under personal Kanban, um, how did those deadlines not show up or how did that not work? Like what about that was broken? The part that was broken for me is that, so my team in my real estate team, they run weekly scrums. So to coordinate that with me doing Kanban, it just didn't go well when I needed to be involved as part of their team. And I was finding myself that I wasn't like connecting the two together properly. And okay. it just helped being in a scrum. Like, so I was in sync with the same cadence basically with them. Okay. Um, but as far as just, it was just, I was just taking on, you know, too much when I started doing scrum. So that didn't work either. So, yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about whip limit. So for the people that aren't familiar with the whip limit, we're talking about work in process and one of the main tenants of Kanban, and it's, it's a big part of scrum as well. Um, is that you have to limit the amount of things that you're doing at one time so you can be successful with them. Um, so how did that kind of show up for you as sort of being like the big sign that was like you're trying to do too many things? I had 11 things that I was going at the same time. So when I was looking at my personal agility board um, and I went through and I was like, okay, so what all do I have? And then I trimmed it down. And after trimming it down, it wasn't just like this and that. It was like after trimming it down, it was 11 things. But from that, I was like, wait, I can't have that. I'm only allowed to have three to four. And if I'm trying to trim that down to three to four, that's really hard. That's very, very hard. And ironically, the things that didn't make the cut were few of the things like having a life that didn't actually make the cut, surprisingly. <laughs> so I put uh, getting married someday, having kids, all of those on the back burner. So those did not make the red line cut. Um, I, I did manage to put in being healthy as part of my three to four. So that did make it. And I was very proud of that. And that was a last minute push. And the stocks actually went out because of that. So my decision, the end decision was whether I continue to do swing trades, or do I actually eat healthy and become a healthy person? So I don't get, I don't know, diabetes or blood pressure or something along the line. So right. But yeah, so, I was very so proud of me for that. <laughs> how did you get to three to four? Where did that number come from? So three to four number came from uh, Maria Medarelli. She and Peter Stevens, they are working on the personal agility book. And when she and I were sitting in Chicago and we were talking and I was like, I'm drowning. And she's like, I know, I looked at your Facebook page and you're, you're panicking about having 27 things on your list to do and you don't even get them done. And I was like, I know, I feel like I need to duplicate myself. And she's like, you need to cut down on things you're passionate about. I was like, how do you do that? Like, how do you cut down on things that you're just truly passionate? Like, that doesn't work. And she's like, just trim things off. I'm like, easier said than done, but I will try. So I tried and then I got back to her and she's like, no, 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 you need to cut more. And the last one was the struggle is leaving the stocks because that is something that I've done for so long. And, and it's something that I just get 
you know, and yeah. it's not something that it's not fully analytical. Love some of the trades are just, it's your gut. And when you get to that point where your gut tells you that this is the right trade, you know, that you've, you've, you've gone to the other side of that, that mastering that way of doing things. Right. And to give all of that up and be like, you know what, not only am I giving up this, I'm giving up a source of income because that is a constant source of income yeah. that I've had that now I no longer have. But what something Maria said to me that resonated with me is that she's like, see how my life was, you know, and see how other people's around you are. And if you're not healthy, does any of these really matter? Like if you were unhealthy today and you got sick and you couldn't do any of these things, forget about stock market. You wouldn't be able to do your real estate business. You wouldn't be able to do your IT consulting or your coaching or training. Then would anything in the world matter if you were not healthy? And that just took me back. And I was like, that is so true. Like, if today I were to fall sick, what would happen? Everything would just vanish. Nothing else in this world would matter if I was unhealthy. So yeah. I was like, okay, there, there cannot be that I'm valuing a passion over me being healthy. Like that is just insane. I was well, like, I, how am I, how am I even like saying that? What? So I was like, yeah, that's not happening. So it, it did make the cut, but I, I will tell you a secret that I do wonder, my my heart and mind both wonder, and I occasionally still do look at my stock market and see how my portfolio is doing and do make occasional trades, but then I feel guilty for doing it because it is not part of my whip limit. So, it, but it's it's there, it's a transition. I haven't, I haven't fully gotten there yet but i am embracing the change i'm trying so this is one of the things about this whole practice and, and i've had very similar experiences because there's so many things i want to do and figuring out what to cut out is really hard and we'll get to how you pick those things in a second but i get that backlash too like that it's for me it's not guilt it's just more like i'm pushing them off to the side like all the books i keep buying that i'm like yeah i'm gonna read that and i read like a chapter and then buy another book um they sit there and a lot of people would say it's waste in the system and it is, but I think there's also an opposite to that is if you cut it completely out, like if you cut trading out entirely, it's still in the back of your head. It's still a passion. It's still something you're interested in. Do you, do you find that there's things that you have to like maintain maybe a small amount of that in the system just to be able to kind of keep it at bay? I, I do actually. And trading is a perfect example for that. So I have an active portfolio. So before, what I used to do is I was fully day trading. I would go in, I would do a trade, I would keep it for, I don't know, a minute and then sell it. So you go in with a big amount and come out and it, you're not staying in the trade long enough. You're just moving the market up or down, whether you're shorting or doing a long. But now what I do is that I will occasionally look at it. So depending on how the day is going, I'll make sure that if I need to get rid of something, or if it's a very bad day, then I make sure that I add some of the new triggers that I want to add. But what I'm at this point, I'm looking at bigger companies versus taking a riskier trade. So I'm not making money anymore like I used to in it, but I am maintaining my portfolio so it doesn't go into where the money just sits there doing nothing. Okay. Because the last thing I want is to be a mutual fund, right? So I am maintaining a little bit of it, but I'm not doing the full... I used to read two to three hours every day for a stock market, which I don't anymore. Now, maybe I'll be lucky if I spend two hours in the whole week reading. But yeah, it, it definitely is. You can't do cold turkey. Like 
that that does not work like just going all out because then you're just going to bounce back yeah. you're just going to feel like that needs to be in here because you're you're not getting it you know it's uh, it's your passion you can't just just stop it it's not flipping a switch and being like okay i'm done yeah you have to like transition off of it because it is something you truly love how do you unlove something you know just like loving somebody you don't just all of a sudden stop loving somebody you know it gradually changes into a different form of affection or yeah. you start hating them. I don't know, but I think that's a really don't neat, do it right away. It's a really interesting way to think about it is having affection for different interests and giving them a certain amount of attention that, you know, whatever is the right amount is, is always right. going to be the trick. How did you um, decide, like, did you have any kind of guidance or rule about how you were going to pick the three or four things? So I went through and I looked at things that I could live without. So in this moment, right now, order the things that I could live without. So having a family and having a having a kid someday getting married, that's very important to me. But it's not right now. So my filter was that what is important to me right now? What do I need to do for this year? So I went with that filter in it. And then I looked at all of my lists and I was like, okay, so this year, what do I need to focus on? Because if I'm focusing on everything, things are just dragging. Like I started my company back in 2012 and it would have been in such a different place had I not been trying to pursue my certified scrum trainer at the same time trying to pursue my real estate. Okay. So what I did is basically with all of the other things that I looked at, like what are the things that I need to work on this year? And one of them was obviously my real estate, but my real estate business, not the investment. So the real estate investment part of it did not make the cut unfortunately. Okay. So that got taken out. So it's just my team because these are people that depended on me. I couldn't just give them up. There they were other people that were involved. So I couldn't just say that, you know what, this doesn't make the cut because there were other dependencies. So that sure. was another factor. Okay. So that made the cut. Being healthy made the cut. Um, being a certified scrum trainer that made the cut because I've worked so much toward it already. Okay. And it didn't make sense to put it on hold for a year. So that made the cut. So basically my filter was what do, what is important to me right now? That's so is it. there any what? kind of like vision statement or strategy? I mean, if, if you were at a client coaching them, you'd be saying to them, well, you've got to figure out a long-term strategy. You have to, you know, a mission statement or some kind of vision statement. Did you come up with anything like that for yourself? Right. So for me, I've always done a five-year rolling plan. So five, three, and one. I've always had a five-year plan, three-year plan, and a one-year plan and what fell into it. The problem I had before personal agility was that I had a lot of stuff in my one year and now it's just cut out. So now it's like I have very little in one year and I have gradually at like if depending something falls off or closer to falling off, I have that in my three year and then the remaining I have in my five year plan. Okay. So for the folks that are listening, I hope what you're hearing, there's a lot of parallels between what we would coach a client to do and what Savannah is talking about, that, that five year plan that can be a roadmap. And if the one-year plan was a release, it sounds like you're kind of trying to leave more space in there so you can adjust along the way. Is that? Exactly. That is exactly what I'm doing. So, And also the things that are in your five-year, they're not as focused. They're not as visible. You just have vague, you know, very high level I want to get here versus for your one-year, I have very precise steps that I need to do for the next 12 months to get to my end goal by the end of 2017. Okay. 
So let's let's talk for a couple minutes about how um, you practice personal agility, like day to day, and then then I want to talk about the real estate stuff. But but first, for people that are are listening and want to start to do this, like what is it? What does a week look like for you in terms of the agile practices that you employ to manage yourself? So for I still go through the weekly scrums because I want to be in the same cadence as my team back in Ohio. And how how big is the team? The team right now is about 11 to 12 people, not including the admins and the coordinators. Okay, okay. Um, So in my weekly scrum, so I have that to be in their cadence, but for my personal agility part of it, the board looks like what are the things important to you? That's your three to four whip limit things. And then you go through what is something that you need to get done this week versus what you're working on right now what you finished this week and what you finished overall. So at a high level, you see, and I, on a side note, I use Trullo for my board okay. to use it efficiently. So that way I'm not writing on stickies. Um, and it basically, you take it and you move it across. You're moving it across just like any other task board you're moving across. And I think that triggers something in your brain when you're signing, when you're checking something off, when you're putting it to a done side, you're like, okay, I finished this. I accomplished this. It's that rush that you get for finishing something off yeah. and you you touch on something else. But from those four items that you have, it breaks down to what are the important things that you need to do in that week for those. Another thing that I do is that for my weekly things that I'm doing, I also add things that are not part of those four. If I'm doing it, I want visibility. All work should be visible, just like software development. Even if it is not part of your thing and you're doing it, it needs to be visible. So, so that would whenever, be something you didn't plan that you just find yourself correct, doing. Okay. Correct. So if I find myself that I need to go to a conference that I wasn't anticipating, or if I am reading a book that somebody was telling me about and I just couldn't wait till later to read it and I wanted to read it and it didn't fall anything part of my four things, it basically would not just get a color. So all four things are color coded and this will be colorless. So in a, in a view, when I'm looking at my done and for the week, and I can see how much percentage were allocated to things that were meant to not be there, but they're there. I want my time to be accounted for. So I want a visual at the end of it, how much time did I spend on other times? And as you go on in each week, you want to minimize that colorless things that you're adding on. Because by looking at it, they're like, oh, okay, I spent this many hours on things. By on the flip side, by spending that many hours, yes, you did something great that you loved, but you're not focused. You you took away time that you could have spent on those four things that you yourself said that were important to you right now. Okay, so, so I, just, I want to interrupt you for a second because I want to I want to throw something at you and see how you respond to it. So one of the things I found was you sound like you're very disciplined about it, and I was very disciplined in the beginning. And I was adding the stuff that was not planned. But then there would be days or nights, like if I was teaching, where I wouldn't do anything. Like I would just sit and watch Kung Fu movies for like four hours. And then I'd have to put that on the board. And then I feel bad because one, I wasn't productive. Two, I did work that wasn't planned. Three, I just, you know, killed four hours watching a bunch of old Shaw Brothers movies. And there's like this guilt that comes along with that. But for me, I found that if I don't let those things happen, because I wasn't planning slack in and, and because I wasn't planning in that recovery time or that, you know, just downtime, I was trying to push the system too hard. And there was like this backlash. 
when you do things that aren't planned, is that time that you consider to be improperly used time or is it just, it is what it is? So in twofold, I'll answer that in twofold. In the beginning, um, and I've always been disciplined since I was like, I think in fourth or fifth grade, my, in my household, getting anything less than in 98, 99 was not acceptable. Like what's wrong with you? Um, so I've always been been the person that was unhappy when I got a 95. Okay. And everybody in school hated me. But anyways, so with me being disciplined, it did put me that guilt. And I have done that. I've sat through and I was watching episodes after episodes of Shark Tank. And though it is right. related to investing, I still felt guilty. I was like, I'm watching TV. Where am I watching TV? And I could be doing so many other things. Yeah. So what I have found over the years is that you have to build that in. You have to build in slack time that is just for you, which I call my me time. Yeah. Which basically whether if I want to go to the spa and get my nails done or if I want to go get a massage, that's one hour out of my day. But those are things that are pre-planned that are part of it. So I try to give myself about 20 to 25% of slack time per each week. So okay. if I have, let's say, 40-hour work week, for example, I will be doing 30 hours of efficient work and 10 hours of me time. Okay. So, now those, that, so those gray cards might show up gray, but then be turned into a colored card if you find that that is a valuable activity. No, because no. those are okay. not me time. Those are things that I'm doing because I can't properly win myself of my other passions. So those are just showing me that, hey, you know, you said these four are important, yet you're taking away from other you're stuff. You're weak. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm very weak sometimes when it comes to my passions. So when you reflect, I mean, one of the things that happened with me with personal Kanban was it became not so much about getting the things done and more about the self-reflection and, and what it taught me about the choices I was making. Like for me, that stuff like watching that Kung Fu movie um, might show up as a gray card. But then I'd realize, you know what, I need to plan this kind of stuff in here. I need to like just veg out or play video games or do whatever, because that's part of the health thing to me. That's part of mm -hmm. the maintenance. Um, but but there is that, that guilt. Like, how do you cope with that? You don't. Not for me. I just, I'm just always just guilty. I'm just like, every time I take, I do something, even if it's built in part of my slack, I still sometimes feel guilty. I'm like... I could be doing so many other things. Then I'm like, no, I'll do this. Like when I sleep in, I feel so guilty on a weekend if I sleep in, if I'm here, which I'm hardly here in Texas. I have literally, the reason why you're hearing the echo is because in my apartment, there is nothing other than just me. I do have a sofa. It's still in the box. It's standing right in front of the main door as you get in and it's standing upright in the box. I had it ordered, but I have not had the chance to take it out of the box yet. So I, I have a very gypsy life, like all my groceries, my milk, the bananas, everything come in Amazon Prime now and it's just shipped to my house. If I don't know what I would do without Grubhub and Uber, I just, I don't know how I would live basically. But yeah, it's just everything. I just feel so guilty because I feel like I'm not being efficient and doing stuff that is adding value to my goal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how much time each day do you spend maintaining and managing your your work, like the, the actual Kanban or Scrum aspects of it? So I do about half an hour each day to just okay. reflect and go through and move things along and see what index came in or what I need to improve or things that I need to do. Um, a lot of times I will have calls scheduled and then the call will go further 
and then what the schedule time is, which kind of screws up your whole, you know, daily schedule. But then, so I go through, I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do better the next day to make sure that this doesn't happen? How do I say no? My hardest part is telling people no, like, hey, I don't have time. I'm sorry. You know, I'm always feeling like, oh, I need to say yes. Oh, okay, it'll be fine. It's just one hour. I can help them. I can do this. And then afterwards, I'm like, man, I need to learn how to say no. So, but yeah, about half an hour each day and about an hour to hour and a half on Sundays when I'm looking through and planning out the next week. Okay. And do you have any kind of coach or accountability partner to help you with this stuff? I have few people as far as accountability people that, uh, depending on which side. So for IT, I have different people, those type of work. For real estate, I have a different coach that I, I go to. And that is the thing that I learned very early on. And I'm very thankful for that, that coaches also need coaches. And the fact that they see that, that makes them more successful because sometimes I can tell somebody that, oh, this is how you need to do it. But I can't tell myself because I can't see it. Yeah. And so having those coaches and tell me like, oh, no, 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 this is this is not right. You know, this is not what you meant to, I'm sure. And it just gives you a lot more clarity. So, yes, for sure. Um, I do have weekly scheduled calls with them an hour with each side. So IT one hour and then also with the real estate coaching one hour. Okay. And do you plan any time in there that's not like scheduled me time that's just like whatever time? No, I don't. No, okay. <laughs> I need to, but I don't. <laughs> All right. It hasn't made the list of four things. It yet. hasn't made. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, so how would you, for somebody who wants to get started in this with personal agility, um, what would you recommend they do to kind of learn about this or learn enough to kind of pick up the basics of it? I would say that the first thing that they need to do is just make a list of everything that they're doing and then go through and take out things that are not important to them right now for this year and make a, a prioritized list of in the order how they want to get those things done. And it will automatically, they will see things rising up that will make the cut of the three to four versus the other ones that will not. And I would highly recommend reaching out to somebody who has done this yeah. or who has done some sort of personal Kanban or Scrum or something where they, they know how to handle these type of situations and just having them as a coach and scheduling like a weekly, not a text message and an email, but even if it's a 10 minute call, do a weekly phone call because it's very different having somebody on, on voice versus sending a text. So I would highly recommend that. Okay. I think from, yeah, visualizing the work, which is a big part of Kanban in general, I think that, that alone can be incredibly illuminating for anybody to just sit down and make a list of all the stuff you're working on and go, holy crap, no human could actually do all that. Yeah. <laughs> or Once or you, you could see do it, it, then you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Or you, you could do it, but you couldn't do it well. And I think that, that mindfulness approach to your work is a big part of it too. At least it is for me. Yes. No, for sure. It's like, I can do these things, but could I really give it, do it justice? Yeah. Could I do it properly enough where it's, I could say like, you know what? I'm happy with this. Yeah. And my hardest part on that is that I'm a very, I'm a perfectionist. So it's, things are never done. And I need to tell myself definition of done. I'm like, okay, this is done. Let it go. You know, this, this could survive without you now. Yeah. Stop touching it. So that's, <laughs> that's hard. So people out there, that's, passionate to the point where they're perfectionist, I, I urge you to step away 
head, just let it go. Because sometimes <laughs> you just need to let it go, man. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So let's talk briefly about the real estate thing, because, you know, now there's more talk about Scrum outside of software and outside of IT. And I know Maria does all the marketing stuff, but real estate's kind of a new deal. So what, how does that work and how did you get started with that? So I started with the fact that I was feeling guilty that I was taking time away from my IT world and putting it into real estate. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. I'm like, oh, why not just combine the two? Because then it's not a separate thing. Okay. <laughs> but um, bringing Agile into real estate, it just gives us structure. What was something that I was seeing is that my agents that were going out, you know, making all the sales calls or doing doing the actual listing appointments or the buyer appointments, they were not being efficient the way that they could. They were not going their full potential and they would just do it. And there were no structure, no rhyme or reason. And it's one of those things where the more you put in consistently, then you get that consistent results eventually. But people are not always very structured. So giving them Agile basically allowed them to do more work and brought things up to the visibility level. So when they go through, they have the daily scrums and they're just talking to each other and they're being motivated by what other agents are doing. When somebody says like, yeah, I made this many calls and I got this lead or this happened or whatnot. And other people are like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea. I need to do that call or I need to do it at that time. It's just like basically feeding off of each other. It's sure. that, that motivating and People don't oftentimes in a brokerage come into the office because you are your own boss. You don't need to go into the office. But in this case, you do need to. If you work in my team, you are going to stop by the office for 15 minutes and it's not going to kill you. You know, just drive there, make it part of your day. And in the beginning, I had so much resistance. People were like, this is not worth it. You're asking me to drive half an hour to get somewhere for a 15 minute and then drive another half an hour back, I could be getting more clients. But over the years, what they have seen is that now they see the value. They see the value in that that human connection, being able to connect with your fellow agents. It's not just so-and-so that works in my team, but it's actually like, oh, that's Jessie. You know, she, she just had a baby or this just happened or they got a new puppy. Like, you know things about your teammates that you otherwise wouldn't know or even care to know because you're so you know, heads down into your own world. Yeah. So it's the connection, the visibility, and it, it's just motivating each other more than the accountability is just motivating because it's not really like, I want to know what you're doing, what you're doing. You're, you're your own boss. As long as you're making me money, like, I don't really care what you do, but I do care how happy you are. And this has made them where they are more like they're happy people. You know, versus before they were just stressed out because clients do, they really do not understand boundaries. Yeah. Client will call you an agent like, hey, can you come show me like now? Yeah. Because my world revolves around, you know, like everybody, everybody needs to cater to me because I'm the client. I'm paying your commission. Right. So. Well, and it is, it's a big purchase for the client. So they probably feel like it is. For sure. For sure. Yes. But I've seen where clients say like, oh, you have to go to your son's baseball game, but that's not important. You know, come show me this house, which clearly you could see the house two hours later too. Yeah. So, but it's teaching my agents to say no, that you do come first. You know, yes, it is your livelihood, but your kids, your family, if that's important to you, that does come first to you. So what I have taught them to is schedule appointments. Make it as an appointment. If you have another appointment with another client, a client will never tell you, like, drop that other client and come see me. 
So if your kid's baseball game is that important to you because you are a single parent and you need to show up for that for yeah. to keep your kid motivated, set it in as an appointment. If you have a four o'clock appointment, you can't make another appointment at four o'clock. So okay. just prioritize and set it up. So this isn't so much about like if it was a, a software team, you would be having a daily scrum for them to sync up and plan their work for that day. But yours is more about the collaboration and the sharing and maintaining the cohesiveness of a distributed team. Well, both actually. They okay. do also collaborate. So between the ISRs and the transaction coordinator, because the transaction coordinator is sending out inspection dates and okay. appraisal dates and all of those things. So those do get coordinated. So there are cross dependencies because there, it's not a one for one transaction coordinator. A given transaction coordinator will handle three to four. So we have a total of three transaction coordinators distributed amongst all of the agents. So they need to make sure that if they are getting the transition coordinator's time, that it's not overlapping with another closing. Or the title company, they need to schedule out because the transition coordinator is scheduling that. So they need to make sure that it works with the client's time and also works with the title company. It works with other agent and all of those coordination. It does help having that daily scrum. Okay, great. So if people want to, I mean, is there... Is there a way they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about using this in, in Realty? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, it is riotrealtygroup.com, okay. and I'm actually redoing my website right now, but it's there. And my phone number and email both are at the top of the website. Okay, and I'm going to include a link to your Twitter and your LinkedIn as well in case people want to get in touch with you. Do you have any, um, any events like speaking engagements coming up that you want to promote? Or mention? Um, no, I just I actually spoke about personal agility at Heart of Agile. I will be speaking about it again on the tenth at in DC. So okay. I'll be speaking about it again. But it is something that the reason why I'm passionate about it is because it works. Yeah. It works. Just limiting your whip works. I am so much more focused than what I was when trying to do it. And granted, I'm not there yet, and it's probably going to be months before I get to that perfect and. Once I get there, then I'll realize that that's not perfect, and then I'll keep going because you never really get there in Agile, right? You're always yeah. continuously improving and working towards something, and one, the closer you get, the further you get at the same time because things are shifting, things are changing, and you're like, oh, I can do better. I can improve this. I can improve that. So always a journey and not the destination. Cool. Well, this is great. I really appreciate you taking time out for this. Um, and I'm going to also include a link to the Heart of Agile slides for the folks who want to see that as well, if that's okay with you. Yes, that's perfectly okay. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And if you're if you're curious and want to learn more about this, please get in touch with Savannah. I'm sure she'll be happy to help. All right. Thank you, Dave, for your time. Appreciate Thanks. it.